Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I will be joined today by Mr. Patrick Doherty to discuss all the biggest fantasy news from a busy first week of free agency. But first, we have some housekeeping to do. If you are listening to this podcast during the offseason, you obviously love football and you obviously love this podcast. So let other people know about it by subscribing, rating, and reviewing wherever you find us. It helps other people find the show. We very much appreciate it. It also never hurts to share it with a friend. I always know I love when a friend sends me a good podcast recommendation, and I'm sure someone would appreciate that. And I, In fact, I'll give one to you now. The Rotor World Baseball Podcast is doing a team check-in series to get ready for the season. And for someone like me, I, don't, I can't follow baseball as closely in the winter as I once did. It has been very helpful to kind of get me up to speed, so I recommend it strongly. So there you go. There's your recommendation. Send some out to some other people, and we would appreciate it. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to Pat. Hey, man, we, we made it. Yeah, we did. Um, now I'm just sitting here kind of waiting, sitting on pins and needles, kind of waiting to see where Geno Smith ends up. You know, I was hoping was hoping all the stars would get signed the opening day of free agency. Very surprised. Geno just – must be a lot of haggling over, you know, 40 million guaranteed, 50 million guaranteed. So hopefully that's the, that'll be the last domino to fall. So I'm waiting for that to happen. He is visiting the Giants, which would be, oh, that would be all sorts of fun. It is who, you know, I'm a, a debate I'm interested in maybe as like a side podcast is Ryan Nasib, Nasib, however you pronounce his last name versus Nassib. Geno Smith. Who is better? <laughs> Nasib such a bad pronunciation, so I just kind of refuse to accept that could be it. But Nasib, right. you gotta Nassib. gussy up the name when it's something bad like that. So, <laughs> well, you know, we didn't have Geno move, but we did have the obviously the most important quarterback of the last two off seasons, Brock Osweiler, get traded. <laughs> I mean, obviously that has nothing to do with fantasy. But do you have any any thoughts on that crazy trade that we saw to kind of to kind of get this whole thing started? I was just like, what would you, what would the Texans think if, like, at Brock Osweiler's introductory press conference last year, you know, like you whispered in Bill O'Brien's ear, they're like, oh yeah, this time next year, Brock Osweiler will be backing up USC's Cody Kessler <laughs> and parts unknown, not on your team. He's going to be backing up Cody Kessler, who you have no idea is going to be a third-round draft pick in two months. Yeah, you're probably shocked about that, too. And, yeah, Brock Osweiler will be behind him on a depth chart for a team that's not yours. 
I would love that alternate reality. I would I would want to take part in that. And you're going to have to give up a second round pick to get someone else to take him. <laughs> yeah, this guy, yeah, you're grinning right now, gripping, grinning, you know, having the pressure of your life. You will literally be giving away a second round draft pick for someone to take him off your hands. So, you know, happy new year. Yeah, it's it's really a shocking story. I loved it. I loved all everything about it. Yeah, I was say serious though. I love it too. I like that NFL teams are realizing there's more than one kind of trade you can make. You don't just have to trade a player for a third or fourth round draft pick, you can trade salary. You can occasionally, uh, shockingly, you can trade a player for another player. What? What? Uh, what? Yeah, a shock. I know, a huge shock. So NFL teams are realizing there are. It's not just trading like a former second or third round pick for like a future fourth or fifth round pick. You can trade uh, players for cap space. You can trade players for other players and. I would love for the NFL uh, trade market to become more robust, uh, not holding my breath, but it was a breath of fresh air to yeah, actually see a team getting creative. Yeah, I agree completely. But but let's get on to the actually important fantasy stories. I would say uh, it's important to note we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. If something crazy breaks on Sunday night, that it was after we recorded. So <laughs> if we didn't talk about it, it's not because we forgot about it. It's- we wanted to comment on Tom Brady getting traded to the Raiders, but we just we recorded it early, so... <laughs> And Randy Moss coming out of retirement. It was yes. a big story. The giant story. But let's do talk about the Patriots. Let's talk about Brandon Cooks, who the Patriots acquired from the Saints in exchange for, for a first-round pick and, and moving around a little bit later in the draft. Um, the picks are obviously not important to fantasy, so we're going to kind of leave those off to the side. But Brandon Cooks joining Tom Brady in New England, I mean, that that throws his relative fantasy value into some question. So kind of how are you thinking about Cooks right now? My first thought is good night, sweet prince, Chris Hogan. Uh, yes, exactly. You had a good run last year. Um, yeah, my first thought on Cooks, you know, if, if we're thinking about a dynasty league, is that you know, last year Cooks was very valuable, clear wide receiver two with a lot of wide receiver one upside, but it was kind of a frustrating situation when you know he had so much target competition, and you know probably when you heard about the Saints trading Brandon Cooks, you're like, oh great, you know they're gonna trade him somewhere. Well, he'll be like a clear alpha, like a clear you know target hog, and you know that's not what you're getting in this trade uh, to New England. Yeah, so you know they're clearly they're giving up a first round pick and a third round pick to feature Brandon Cooks, but there's just going to be so much target competition still. I mean, Julian Edelman is not going anywhere. Rob Gronkowski is coming back. You know, even Dwayne Allen's now in the fold. There is Chris Hogan, and there's still a lot of mouths to feed. Offense, you know, it always has spread it around, and clearly I think Brandon Cooks is going to be uh, quite valuable in fantasy, probably still a wide receiver too, but if you were looking for long-term clarity in a dynasty league, I would say you didn't get it with this trade. Yeah, especially since we don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady's future is as well. And you mentioned you mentioned all the weapons around him. He's not going to a place in which his target share is going to be larger, I don't think. His target share in the last two seasons in New Orleans has been 18.3%. With Edelman there, with Gronk there, with Hogan, with Malcolm Mitchell, who's getting kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I left out Malcolm Mitchell. All these guys here, I doubt it's higher than that. And, I mean, you also have to consider that the Patriots throw less than the Saints. I mean, every team throws less than the Saints. But but if you go and look at what Brady's been doing, he threw for 582 times in 2014. He was on a 576 uh, throw pace last year he did throw for 624 passes in 2015 but breeze still threw more passes than him that year and breeze missed one game so if you're looking at if you're looking at this from that kind of that volume perspective i do think that volume is going to go down and and if i'm looking at cooks for this year in the short term i'm hoping that he's chris hogan plus right you're hoping he takes on that chris hogan deep role chris hogan was the only player with an average depth of target only receiver excuse me 
on the Patriots with an average depth of target of over 11 and a half last year. He's going to take on that role and maybe he gets to a hundred targets. And, but like, that's kind of the ceiling you're looking at. And that's actually a smaller role than what he had in new Orleans. So I, I think this in the short term, at least decreases his fantasy value. And, and I'm not sure most people are going to see it that way. I think maybe they could ring like 120 targets out of him. He had almost 120 last year, but I mean, 100 is a very plausible scenario, and yeah, that is less than he was averaging the past two seasons, almost 20 less, 25 less, so yeah, I would have been hoping if I was a dynasty league owner for Tennessee, Philadelphia, even with kind of the the lack of creativity in the Titans offense and the kind of the questions about Carson Wentz and Philadelphia, I think I still would have preferred either of those as landing spots, and it's going to be extra frustrating. It's going to be just very similar to New Orleans, really. He's going to have these huge blow-up games, and then he's going to have games where he catches like two passes for 20 yards, so basically it's you're getting the same situation you had last year with like slightly less clarity so yeah i mean not for fantasy it uh not a perfect move yeah i agree with that completely there were there were a ton of other receivers on the move though you know let's kind of just go through this and let's talk about maybe some of the landing spots we liked best so who 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 did you like best the move that they made this week I, i'm kind of surprised to be saying this but when i was looking through the list i think uh, the move I like best, may, I guess for fantasy, if I'm thinking fantasy, is, is Pierre Garçon in San Francisco because he's going from a ton of competition. He had a good year with a lot of competition last year, but he's going from a situation where he had a ton of target competition to a situation where he's going to be ruling the roost. And like he's reuniting with an offensive coordinator where the last season they had together, he had 1,300 yards. So had his best season under Kyle Shanahan. And it's just going to be a, so much opportunity for him there. And Nick Minzio, too, tweeted, you know, he's, he's older now. He's on the wrong side of 30 god bless so are we uh but he's got the kind of skill set that ages well he runs good routes he has great hands he's a good blocker so i think pierre garçon you know the san francisco kind of maybe uh, taint his fantasy perception in some people's minds but he could end up be like one of those guys kind of like a free money wide receiver too next year just like a situation where you don't like the team you don't like the quarterback but you could ignore the situation and i think that'll be a mistake and uh for fantasy i'm i'm talking myself into Pierre Garçon and the 49ers. Yeah, I'm not particularly worried about Marquise Goodwin or Aldrich Robinson stealing into his targets. No, and like, no. And like you said, last time he was with Shanahan, he had 181 targets. Yeah, and it was, and it, it's not like, you know, the quarterback situation was really that much better than that was a young Kirk Cousins and Robert Griffin III and kind of in the death throes. So it's it wasn't, it wasn't a great situation. I'm actually going to go to Washington. I'm going to go to the guy who kind of replaced Pierre Garçon I'm going to go to Terrell Pryor, who I, I wrote that Washington was the best potential landing spot for receivers before free agents opened. So I, I'm not going to back off that now. They obviously lost their top two receivers. I haven't really redone the numbers since they re-signed uh, Chris Thompson and Vernon Davis, but they still lost well over 200 targets. Pryor could get a large chunk of those. And I thought I was going to be very high on Pryor, but I've actually seen, and we're going to continue the the Raymond pumps the brakes kind of thing that I, I like to do. But I've seen like people saying, oh, Pryor's a definite wide receiver one. And I mean, I, I want to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Even though they did le- lose Jackson and Garcon, they they have been preparing to lose Jackson and Garcon. They have Jamison Crowder. They drafted Josh Doxson. Jordan Reed only saw 89 targets last year. That number is going to be higher if they stay healthy. They re-signed Chris Thompson. They re-signed Vernon Davis. There are obstacles to Pryor coming in and being 140 target surefire wide receiver one that some people seem to be envisioning now that said I love the spot there's a lot of ifs in that situation and certainly he can come in and be that guy but I I think I'm viewing him more as like a high-end wide receiver two that that I'm hoping to get more out of but 
I think people might draft him as as more than that. Am I crazy to think that? I don't know. I'm kind of even. I'm like a little more bearish than you, even where clearly there are targets there for the taking. Like you said, a lot of competition. I just kind of wonder about his fit with Kirk Cousins, where maybe I'm misreading Terrell Pryor as a receiver, but I still I feel like he's kind of still like a pitch and catch, like high point kind of guy, like a guy you gotta you know you gotta kind of put it up for him to go get it, and that's not Kirk Cousins' style and. I wonder just how on the same page they will be, and if Kirk will just kind of go further into his underneath Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed down the seam shell, and I just yeah, there's a, a lot of opportunity there, and they valued him, you know, eight million is less than he was expecting to get, but it, it's still well six million, I guess, totally guaranteed. It's still a sign, you know, they view him as a big part of the offense this year, but I just worry about his fit with Kirk Cousins, and I, I think he's definitely uh, a guy who could end up. Maybe severely overdrafted. What are some of the who are some of the guys that you really didn't like where they ended up? I wish I had a better answer for this, but nothing really as receiver struck me as particularly egregious. Um, the only thing I kind of wanted Kenny Stills to get out of Miami, even though I love Adam Gase, I love the way they involved Kenny Stills last year. But I was kind of hoping he would end up somewhere where he could be like a kind of a clear cut number two, number three option, and he's still kind of like one of four in Miami and. But he still have a good fantasy situation there. But yeah, shockingly, I expected to go through the list and kind of find, oh, I hate this landing spot, I hate this landing spot. But I think uh, most of the guys so far have ended up places that make sense for them, maybe make sense for fantasy. And I mean, someone like Brandon Marshall, named the Giants, yeah, his yeah, his fantasy role is always going to go down no matter where he ended up. So yeah, shockingly, so far I've, I've kind of liked all the fits. Uh, maybe. Uh, what do you, I mean, I don't know if you're like a Kendall Wright fan. I could see maybe you wouldn't be enthused about Kendall Wright ending up with the Bears and Mike Lennon, but I've never been much of a Kendall Wright fan, so that didn't really that didn't really get me. So, yeah, I think so far the money has been spent rather wisely at wide receiver. The one, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, but the one guy that I, I really stuck out to me was Kenny Britt, who I thought, I was hoping he would end up in a better quarterback situation and free agency, and he basically went and found the Rams East. I know. But it's still, yeah, I thought about saying Kenny Britt, but it's like still there's like a, that's another offense where there's like, you know, targets galore. Like they got to throw to somebody and, you know, they very aggressively targeted Kenny Britt. Hugh Jackson has always kind of been a talent maximizer, uh, much more so than whoever's been, uh, you know, scheming, uh, attempting to scheme Kenny Britt the ball (laughs) in St. Louis and Los Angeles. So yeah, I could, I could definitely, Kenny Britt would have been more intriguing, like on the Eagles or maybe I kind of secretly hoped he would end up uh, with the Redskins. That never really like had a chance of happening, but I don't hate uh, Kenny Britt in Cleveland. The one thing I would say is that I think his target competition is quietly, uh, he has quietly has more target competition in Cleveland. I don't, I, I mean, Brian Quick and Tavon Austin, who cares? I like Corey <laughs> Coleman a lot. He was a first round pick. They obviously like him. I think he's gonna have a bigger role than he did last season. And, and Pryor and Britt basically had the same year last year. If you go and look at their receiving lines, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Britt's was a little bit worse than Pryor, simply because I think Corey Coleman's going to be the number one. And that's that's kind of, I expected him to find a spot where he would be more like the number one option, and I just don't think that's true. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Corey Coleman, they don't see him that way, and we'll, you know, we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. But if I was going to pick one guy out, it would be Kenny Britt. What about, let's finish up with the receivers with kind of an under-the-radar. You already mentioned one of the guys I kind of like under-the-radar because we have differing opinions opinions on Kendall Wright and and the situation but but who's a who's another guy kind of under the radar that, that you might be interested in really honestly nobody uh maybe a Ted Ginn in New Orleans the problem with Ted Ginn in New Orleans is like I don't feel feel like Ted Ginn in New Orleans can have more upside than he did in Carolina like Ted Ginn was basically used to perfection for his skill set in Carolina I don't see how the Saints could use him any better than the Panthers did and 
you know, I, I don't see anyone like super under the radar because there just wasn't really a lot of intriguing guys this year. I, I, maybe Bryce Butler if he had ended up somewhere other than Dallas, but I guess maybe Robert Woods is the most interesting one. The guy who's like clearly headed for like the biggest you know usage upgrade or you give him $40 million, they're clearly planning to use him. And Sean McVay is, should be a pass first mind, like a guy who's you know, can really generate a lot of targets for someone like Robert Woods. But, you know, yeah, if you're going to play with Jared Goff, you know, what's the, you know, there's, there's nothing, not a whole lot to get excited about. So I thought, yeah, kind of, there's no one really, in, usually anyway, when there's like intriguing down ballot guys or receivers, so to speak, uh, they end up not being intriguing at all. Like as we learned with Andre Holmes in years past, Brian Quick in years past. So yeah, really, Maybe if I want to give a really contrarian answer, I'll say Marcus Wheaton uh, in Chicago. <laughs> um, because I kind of like secretly, I wasn't really that secretly. Like two years ago, I got a little bit into him in 2015. It was kind of talking about him last offseason. Is like, yeah, I think people are way you know, too negative on Marcus Wheaton. And then they were, it turned out not negative enough. But I kind of, for some reason, still harbor a little liking of Marcus Wheaton's game. I have zero idea why, really. I think he can just kind of be an underrated big play threat maybe. But, yeah, going to not an ideal situation in my opinion. I actually think, you know, Kendall Wright's probably my answer. Uh, but, I mean, you look at that situation and and coaching issues, locker room issues derailed his career, and now he's going to John Fox. So I'm not sure <laughs> that that's, that's the best spot for him. Although I think there there's plenty of opportunity in that offense. Robert Woods, I think, is the right answer. I think the contract's a little bit crazy, but he kind of fits in what Sean McVay used to do in Washington. That kind of, like you mentioned with Kirk Cousins, the underneath, the up the seams, he kind of fits in there. And unless they add someone, he's going to have the targets. And I would at this point project him to set new career highs and in catches and yards. Now that only means he has to beat 65 catches and 699 yards. So it's not like we're projecting anything crazy, but, but yeah, I think that Robert Woods kind of under the radar is, is poised to, to really improve his, his fantasy stock moving forward. He should have a career fantasy year, absolutely. Unlike the receivers, you know, we've been talking about the receivers. There were so many that moved. There were good, so many good landing spots, like you mentioned. The running backs have, have struggled to find anybody to give them money. The only notable guy who has signed so far is Danny Woodhead, and there are big names out there. Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, Latavius Murray, Eddie Lacy, LeGarrette Blunt, all of those guys still available still really not finding anything resembling interest. So why why do you think these guys are struggling so much to find a job? I just, you know, running back these days, like, you got to be special to get paid. And if you're special, uh, you're not going to be on the open market. I mean, clearly Adrian Peterson is one of the most special players in NFL history. But, you know, at this point in the career, he's just not a special talent. And unless you're LaShawn McCoy, unless you're Le'Veon Bell, uh, probably unless you're David Johnson in a year or two, I mean, if you're if you're just if you're anything but a highly above average back, uh, you're not going to get paid. And if you're a highly above average back, you're not going to reach the open market to get paid. You're going to get paid for your free agent. So I think teams are especially kind of this year with the glut of similar talents. I think teams are just content to wait this kind of smoke these guys out, They'll smoke them into like a a way lower price than they're willing to take. Uh, maybe smoke Adrian Peterson into retirement. I don't know. Uh, I kind of doubt it. He's probably got too much pride. But yeah, just seeing a lot of. I mean. Eddie Lacy maybe is the most upside of any of these guys, but he's still just kind of, you know, Eddie Lacy is not like the most hard. He's not the most difficult kind of talent to find. So I, I just think, I think teams are just keep waiting these guys out and could be to like the end of the next week till they really find a landing spot. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Eddie Lacy is the best back here. And I don't, I don't think I it's do close. Too. 
I, I think if you go and watch what he was doing last year before the injury, even after he was injured, while still fat, I, I think that <laughs> I think Eddie Lacy is a really special talent. And, oh, and I, yeah, he's I, got by far the most upside just with the weight and the, the ankle. He's had a lot of ankle injuries, too, so I can see why yeah, teams are absolutely. trying to wait. Not to interrupt your point there, but I can definitely understand. I agree with your take on Lacey, but I also see why teams are kind of waiting him out to get cheaper. No, I absolutely agree with that, too. I also think that the draft talent, which which might be overstated, but the draft talent this year is playing a role. I also think, you know, the market value at running back, unlike basically every other position, the market value at running back is decreasing. And that's that's difficult for, I think, for running backs to accept their value. I think there are lots of things, you know, playing together. But that said, there's still some really good landing spots out there. So which, which are some that you're kind of interested in watching as, as these guys eventually, they're going to find a spot as these guys eventually find a new job here in the next couple of weeks. Well, the landing spots, the thing that strikes me about the landing spots, even if it like looks to me, I feel like almost none of them have like the, any of their best case scenarios. I feel like it's still going to be like a muddled situation where they're kind of like a arrive as like a disruptive price. Cause there's like no completely unsettled backfield. Like, Minnesota, I guess, is Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Seattle's got all these young guys. Uh, Indianapolis is kind of a blank slate, but I just feel like anywhere these guys end up, you know, somewhere like Oakland, there's already a few guys there, and wherever they go, they'll be joining a kind of a muddled situation and just making it more muddled. And a lot of these teams will, you know, might draft another young running back. So there's no one where I'm like, oh, I just really wish you know Latavius Murray will sign up the Seahawks because then that's going to be like a plug-and-play RB2. To me, it's just like kind of a complete lack of clarity for all of them. And maybe if Eddie Lacy like signed with the Colts, that'd be something I can get all about. But aside from the Colts, yeah, there's no team I'm like really excited to see someone end up with. Well, I mean, I don't even think the Colts are going to be shopping in that that market. I mean, I they should be at least in the draft because of what Gore's be, where he is. I could see Frank Gore ending up like a camp cut or something. I don't know, but they need to. I think you're right. I guess that's a good point. I think the Colts. Uh, desperately need to sign a running back and would be a great place running back to end up. But yeah, they might not think that. So yeah. And I mean, and they're going to draft a running back. I feel very confident in that, but, but I agree with that. I, if I'm going to try to pick one of my favorite spots, I do think it's Oakland because even though they have Jalen Richard and Deandre Washington, they Latavius Murray, who by the way, is not very good. I, I want to make that clear. <laughs> but Latavius Murray last year, in 14 games, had 228 touches. Yeah, but he is—he is like he is the replacement level back. Like he's what you think of, yeah. Absolutely, he is the new Zach Stacy, not quite Zach Stacy, but but the—he's uh, <laughs> not that bad. I take that back. I apologize to the Murray family, but the but yeah, I think that I think that that's where the biggest opportunity is. They obviously have a great offensive line, so that's that's the part that I'm looking for. But I think your I think your point is valid. All right, let's finish up with the tight ends. Which, you know, it's funny, tight end might have been the most interesting kind of fantasy position coming out of all of this. We had Jack Doyle re-signing an Indy, and then Dwayne Allen was traded to the Patriots to replace Martellus Bennett, who signed in Green Bay to replace Jared Cook, who still does not have a home and reportedly <laughs> took wouldn't accept a deal that was more than what Martellus Bennett ended up accepting. So it's been a really crazy thing. I think from a fantasy perspective, the most interesting conversation is what we're doing with Jack Doyle and Martellus Bennett. And specifically, how are you valuing these guys against each other? They're, I think they're going to end up, if we look at the rankings coming in the summer, I think they're going to end up pretty close to each other. So who are you going to have ahead kind of in that conversation? Yeah, I'm going to give the answer that uh, I hate, which now means you know the answer. I'm going to pick Jack Doyle. Uh, 
Andrew Luck, you know, he's, they've targeted tight ends a lot in his career. It's just a big part of kind of what he, what their offense is, what he likes to do. And, you know, for the first time in Luck's career, there's not going to be like this yin and yang at tight end where, I mean, there was a lot when Dwayne Allen was hurt, but he has a clear cut uh, number one tight end. And Jack Doyle is not a, not a flashy player. He's never going to be he's like a rich man's Dennis Pitta, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I like Jack Doyle's situation, come, at least right now. Maybe they'll draft someone. And Eric Swope's kind of a nice up-and-coming player. But I just think Jack Doyle's got a really great situation. And Martellus Bennett, obviously a much better player, but he's got, he's really slowed down the second half of the season two straight years. You know, played through, kind of played hurt all last year. And, you know, for as much as uh, hype as he gets as a red zone guy, he's never had more than seven touchdowns. And He's got a lot of target, uh, a lot of competition for red zone looks in Green Bay, and I just don't think it's maybe as great of a landing spot as people think it is. And I th- I like, I just think Jack Doyle's situation's more clear cut. And so, yeah, I'm gonna take Jack Doyle over Martellus Bennett. Uh, that's the off season in a nutshell, right there. I think. <laughs> yeah, I you know I agree with you. I I think that what, the way I look at this, I think Green Bay's offense benefits from having the threat of a pass-catching tight end more than it has a, that tight end actually catching a ton of passes. I mean, Jared, That's Cook, a great averaged, Jared Cook averaged 5.1 targets when he was healthy, which is which is good, but that's by no means elite. And Jack Doyle, even with Dwayne Allen playing most of the year last year, averaged 4.7. And in the two games Allen wasn't there, he had 13 targets total. One of was 10 and 3, but you're going to kind of see that kind of stuff with tight ends. I think that Indianapolis uses their tight ends more I, I trust his usage more. And like you said, Bennett has looked slower the last couple of years. Now, injuries are to blame for that, but he's picking up those injuries. That's yeah, I mean, it's not, like, it's not like you get healthier as you get older. So Yeah, exactly. The, the injuries are the concern. Even if they're the reason they look slower, those are the concern. So I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to go with Doyle right now, which is just an insane statement to me. Yeah, I mean, like, both of us are taking Jack Doyle over Martellus Bennett. Like I said, this is March fantasy football talk in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, we got to we gotta do our jobs. And sometimes that job requires saying Jack Doyle is a better fantasy option than Martellus Bennett. So. What a world we live in. I just can't even <laughs> think about if you had said that last year. I know, yeah. <laughs> even in, like, week two or three, like, oh, uh, like, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to go ahead and fire myself now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... It's just, it's nuts. And you know what? It's going to get nuttier. So let's, let's yes. look forward. Yeah, this is the calm time. That's a good point. Yeah, free agency, you know, is far from over, especially for the running backs. You know, we, we have a lot of guys left to fall. Then we head to the draft. So, so kind of what are you looking forward to as we head into the second and third wave of free agency? I mean, yeah, just the story is the running backs. They're the, it's where the, that's uh, where the, all the potential, that's where the biggest names are. And that's where, like where the, the, the game-changing situations are, so to speak, guys who are going to come in and disrupt, you know, comfortable truths we're kind of settling settling into, like, oh, so I'm going to be all be all over C.J. Procise this year. Oh, you know, I kind of think DeAndre Washington's going to emerge as the guy in Oakland, you know. So that's where the most disruptions left. That's where the biggest names are. So really kind of only the last big storyline in free agency, unless you, you know, count, like, which failed uh, – former quarterback of the Jets going to sign and be really depressing with next year. Uh, all the, all the juice is left at running back. Yeah. I think, I think running back, I mean, Seattle is very interesting to me if they, you know, what type of back do they sign? Cause it seems like they're going to sign one. they're bringing everybody for visits. What type of back do they sign? If it's 
Jamal Charles, that seems like a bigger issue for ProSize. If they bring in Latavius Murray, it seems like a bigger deal for Raw. So that'd be interesting to watch. You missed the most important name, though. Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's going to retire. He's going to he's gonna <laughs> pout, pout retire. He's going to be upset with the Cowboys, and he's going to pity retire, pout retire, want sympathy, be angry retire. So that's why I didn't bring that up. Yeah, he's replacing John Lynch at Fox. Everybody, everybody <laughs> knows that. That's clear. But yeah, where where Romo ends up is is going to play a big role. Obviously, if he ends up in Houston. That's that's great news for at least two or three games. For <laughs> before he shatters his collarbone. Yeah, before before he breaks his back or something. I will say I'll pay. I would pay a hundred dollars of my own money for Tony Romo to sign in Houston. That's definitely where I want him to go. It's where I want him to go. I'd, I'd pay a lot of money to see him stay healthy. I want to see him stay healthy. I think Tony Romo is a very good and and underrated quarterback throughout his career, and so I'm. I would like to see him make another title run, and it's with if it's with Houston, and that makes Jerry Jones angry. I am uh, all the better, all the better. I, I'm certainly looking for that. You know, you mentioned the other quarterbacks. I am going to be watching Jay Cutler because he's obviously who he is at this point. I still think he's a competent quarterback, not competent. I still think that he's better than Brock Osweiler. Can I say that? Yeah, and I actually I kind of agree. That, I mean, for Jay Cutler, easiest guy in the world uh, to make fun of, but. I wish that he would, yeah, end up with like a good coaching staff, like a good situation. But it seems like the Jets are his only option, and you know, basically, I feel like the exact opposite of what he needs heading into his age 34 season. So that's why I'm, I'm really not devoting many brain waves to that situation yet, because I would just be very depressed if he ended up with the Jets, which is going to happen. So I'm preemptively depressed about it. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I do think that would be better than the alternatives than Colin Kaepernick for the likes of Eric Decker, you know, assuming he stays there and the running game. I also still think Houston is a possibility if they don't, if they whiff on Romo, you know, if he does join Fox to announce football games and they, and they don't end up with Tony Romo. I mean, Cutler's, like I said, certainly better quarterback than Brock. He's going to give Dondre Hopkins uh, chances, which is what he needs. I, I wouldn't hate that at all. I'm not going to be interested in Cutler from a fantasy perspective, but I think that that wouldn't be terrible for their offensive skill players as a whole. Oh, wouldn't it? Would Bill O'Brien would almost certainly be the best offensive mind he's worked with since Mike Shanahan. So I would be all about that, actually. Yeah, if uh, Romo, you know, pity retires and goes to work for Fox. Yeah, pity, pity retires. I like that. That's the <laughs> I like that. That's the term that you've coined now. Pity retires. He just wants some sympathy, man. That's all he's ever wanted. He just wants some recognition. Turns his hat on backwards so you can see his tears. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's it for us. Like you know, like we said. Free agency is just getting started. We'll probably we'll probably reconvene to do this again because I'm sure I'm sure that as we're recording this on Sunday, something crazy's happened. But but we really appreciate you listening. Like I said at the beginning of the show, rate, review, subscribe wherever you find us. Share with a friend. We appreciate that. You can follow Pat on Twitter at RotoPat. You can follow me on Twitter at RM Summerlin. And we'll talk to you later. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.